This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. And here we are on another episode of the spoiler room. It is uh, March 8th. 2016. It is our favorite animated films. Uh, after watching Zootopia this past weekend, I was inspired to talk about uh, some good animated films because Zootopia, if you haven't seen it already, folks, go see it. It's good. It's worth it for everybody. Uh, my boys liked it. I liked it. So it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and it's not just the sloths who were funny as hell. So tonight, people who are not Sloss, but who are some fantastic crew members in the room with me tonight. First off, foremost, BFD, Glenn Bittner. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you tonight, Mark? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing well. Oh, wait. This is animated. I thought it was animatronic. Sorry. I was talking about My mistake. No, that's for that's for a different that's a different episode. The animatronic, the Pirates of the Caribbean episode. Arr, arr. And, and that voice, of course, is the Bowtie Ferret himself, Mr. Paul Salzar. Hello, Paul. Hi. How are you guys? Hey, good to have you here. Yeah. And back, returning to the room. I couldn't ask for a better crew member for talking animated films than Mr. Tiger Power himself, Tony Estrada. Hello, Mr. Estrada. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Mark. I am very happy to be back on the spoiler room. (laughs) Nice. And yes, uh, he is doing the sloth bit from Zootopia, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, But uh, tonight I wanted to get some of our crew member in the room and talk about their favorite animated films. I know we talk about a little bit more mature content usually here in the spoiler room, but we also are lover of animated films. And so we're going to start right off today with Glenn. And Glenn, what animated film, when I ask you what's your favorite animated film, which one would you pick? La Blue Girl. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny, Glenn? Is that exactly? I was going to reply with that. The <laughs> <laughs> answer at first was La Blue Girl, but I'm like, no, no, don't Google that, kids. Don't Google that. Uh, <laughs> tentacle porn. Oh, yeah. Uh, but... um, no, uh, the one I went with, because there's a lot of good ones, but mm-hmm. I went with Secret of Kells. Yes, nice pick. Why don't you uh, tell our, uh, our fine listeners a little bit about this film? So, Secret of Kells, it came out back in 2009. It's, it's an animated um, little feature uh, set in uh, probably about 8th or 9th century Ireland. Um, for those who don't know um, any Irish, uh, the Irish history, there's uh, what's called the Book of Kells. It is an absolutely beautifully illustrated uh copy of the Gospels of the Bible, uh, the four Gospels, and it actually now resides in uh, Trinity College in Dublin. Um, And the origins of which no one really knows who made it. Um, There's theories, and this movie kind of plays on one of the theories of uh, this this monk that had to flee the island of Iona after a Viking attack, and he ends up in Kells, 
where now he's too old to do the work himself, so he gets a young boy, uh, Brendan, who helps him uh, basically work on the book. Um, but what's really cool about this, uh, first of all, the animation is just gorgeous. It's it's a mm-hmm. style not seen much in animation. I, I think to picture that's more popular that people may have seen that this is kind of similar to it in a way it's similar a bit to like Samurai Jack. Mm-hmm. The, the the series Samurai Jack from Cartoon Network, it's that kind of animation style, but it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. And I love in that the, the blending of, um, although they don't, there's people who complain about this because it's all the PC police ruined it because they never say Jesus or God or anything. You don't need to to know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a great way of how they blended um, early Christian religion and spirituality with with the old uh, Celtic uh, uh, mythology and, and spirituality. They have the two blended uh, with that because of the, the young girl, Eiling, uh, um, which actually is Irish for dream girl. Um, and just the, the whole blending of those two together at a time when, when they were actually coming together in, in ways where, you know, you had uh, Christianity kind of, you know, um, slowly taking over the island of Ireland. And then the old, uh, the old ways were kind of being, you know, pushed aside. Um, but it was the, the other, other thing with Irish history is uh, it was less of a. I'm not saying that there weren't the typical early days of Christians being complete dickheads um, <laughs> in, in the conversions, but there was there was a lot of adoption of of the ancient traditions into the Christian religion. To basically have kind of a, a a more, I guess, an easier conversion of, of the Irish peoples into Christianity, where they where it wasn't so much of the you know the we're just gonna you know basically force you to do this. It was kind of a hey you know you've got some cool ideas there and uh, you know hey maybe Jesus did the same thing. How about that? Does that work for you? Good. All right, you're on board. Excellent. <laughs> I'm going to have 38 kids because that's what good Catholics could do. But yeah, it's just it's just such a beautifully rendered movie. At the 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 Vikings, the animated Vikings are just so sinister, and they're the sounds they make because they don't they don't speak the language. They're, they're they're like just this grunting guttural kind of noises when they talk, and they're just so sinister and and just so well done. Um, it's just such a a fun movie in a lot of ways for me, having my interest in both. Uh, you know, the, the history of, of Vikings as well as the history and the mythology of the Irish and the Celtic people. Yeah, it is it is a beautiful film. Paul or Tony, have you seen Secret of Kells? I haven't, but I have heard a lot of good things about it. Mm-hmm. Paul, I, keep about pass, you? I keep passing it up uh, at the movie uh, rental store because I always thought it was Fern Gully. But oh. now, but no. now that I heard about the story, I'm going to definitely watch this. No, it does. It is definitely, definitely not, Fern. not Fern Gully based on what <laughs> I've heard. Yes. No, it, it is not. Uh, it, it's an excellent film. Was nominated for best animated feature back in uh, 2010, I believe it was for the uh, 2010 Oscars uh, that were for the previous year. But yeah, it was nominated for best animated feature, and you can see why that artwork. Uh, I had watched it a long time ago. And now getting to watch it again, my uh, honorable son number two actually sat down with me 
and watched Secret of Kells with me, and he liked it. He's like didn't have a, you know a whole lot of action in it, which it doesn't. Uh, it, it is a character piece. It is it is you know a, a folklore piece, but oh that animation just captures you the the different style that they do it, and it is it's a good analogy. Samurai Jack style is probably the closest uh, way to explain how they animate it, but. Uh, the way they do the forest is interesting because uh, my my son said OCD much because uh, the tree line, you'd have trees that go up almost all the way, and then you had uh, taller trees that would form arches over the smaller trees. So it, w- it was an interesting style because that's, that's a, a kind of a Celtic style, isn't it, Glenn? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, a lot of the animation of the forest is taken – uh, from from the Celtic style of art of the of that time, the medieval Celtic mm-hmm. style. Yeah, so I, I just love it visually. I'm a big visual guy, and just there's so many things for your eyes to catch in this, and and that style of animation just keeps you into it. And and certain scenes are like paintings, you know, where they'll do three panels in front of you, and they'll have someone move, uh, like through time or whatnot, and and you watch through the panels and. Uh, I love the artwork in this this film, and the story is great. Yeah, everything's about it. You got a, a good voice actors in here. Uh, probably biggest name that people would recognize is Brandon Gleason in here. He yep. plays he plays the voice of the Abbot, uh, the guy who's building this uh, big wall around the ground Kells uh, to try to protect him from the uh, the Vikings, uh, the barbarians. Excuse me, and. Um, yeah. Well, and a yeah. little fun fact about Brendan Gleeson, his cousin mm-hmm. is a teacher right here at UW-Milwaukee. Oh, is he really? Professor, yeah. Teaches uh, teaches Irish. <laughs> go <Imagine> figure. That. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, go figure. Uh, what's probably one of your uh, favorite scenes in this film, Glenn? I mean, I, I know it's your favorite film in general, but is there any scene in particular that really gets um, you? It's, it's towards the... And this is, I don't want to spoil it for the guys who haven't watched it, but you know what, this is the spoiler room, so um, the scene where they're being chased through the woods towards the end, where it's uh, oh. Brendan and, uh, and now I'm forgetting the older monk's name, uh, Aiden. Aiden, yeah, Aiden. Yeah, Aiden and Brendan are running through the forest, escaping the Vikings, mm-hmm. and the wolves come and save them. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's just a one, that's an awesome little scene, and then the way that everything is animated, uh, mm-hmm. just... Such a beautiful scene, and the the wolves are drawn scary. I mean, it, this got yeah. this has some scary animation in it. The, like Glenn mentioned, the Viking, the the barbarians are are vicious looking, but uh, there's a scene involving uh, the darkness. Uh, Brandon has to go get something out of the darkness in this one location. Crom Kruik. Yeah, Crom Kruik, and it's so creepy. I'm like watching this going. Wow, I, I think the hairs on my arm are actually standing up because of the way it's drawn and handled. Uh, yeah, it, it is a it, it gets dark in places. It's light, you know, lighter in places too. It, it's just a a great pick, uh, a very strong pick. Uh, I I recommend it to everyone. Again, not action packed, but it's still a really great story. Yeah, there there are the overtones in there of of Christianity, which I picked up on right away. Going, oh yeah, that's right. That's what this film's about. Because I'm not as familiar with it, uh, but yeah, the animation for it, some of it, is is great. And most of it, I think, is hand drawn, isn't it, Glenn? 
Yeah, it's all hand drawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which will amaze you for when you like see the cover of this book. <laughs> it's it's crazy uh, some of the artwork in here, and uh, they're big on arches too. There's some like the uh, the abbot. He's the same shape as the window in his tower. Yeah, I I, I loved every bit of that. Um, yeah, and just I mean, if for for people who have just never seen the Book of Kells, a lot of it, a lot of it can view online. The artwork is just figuring when this was made, estimated around seventh or eighth century mm-hmm. A.D. And the intricacy of the drawings, and the fact that you know this is a book now that's you know thirteen fourteen hundred years old, and it still holds up. Yeah, I mean, you, it's, it still is in pretty darn good condition for a book that was lost numerous times throughout history. It's one of those where it's so intricate you could stare at it for like an hour and see just so many things in it. Uh, I, I remember watching it this first time and looking it up online and looking up uh, pictures. And it just blew me away about it, how intricate that artwork was, and they capture that feeling so well in this yeah. film. Well, as one of the things they mentioned in the film is he uses his third eye. It's like a crystal that he uses to see. And, and while I said no one really knows how the book was made or who made it, there are monks who used crystals to basically magnify. So when they illustrated, when they did what was called illumination, um, so they could do that really fine, small detail because mm-hmm. they would make it look, the, they would make the tip of the quill look bigger so that they could do these super intricate details. Yeah, it, it's impressive, and the art and the artists who worked on this really, you could tell they were going for that feel of capturing the artwork that was on the book. The whole film's uh, visual aesthetic is based off of that, the way that book was kind of drawn, the way the people are. I mean, the, the people are exaggerated in here a bit, um, the the fairy uh, uh, As- Asling is, is Ailing, a great Ailing. Ailing, thank you. Uh, she's fantastic. I love that character. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. There's just so many good things about this movie. Uh, and watching it again, I fell in love with it all over again. Actually, uh, yeah. It, it, and yeah, it's it's one you should watch. So is it is it good for different age groups? Is it a family type movie or is it? Um, I think real young kids. Some some of the scenes might be a little dark, mm-hmm. uh, just because like the wolves are a little scary and and the stuff with the darkness and then the Vikings themselves are drawn to be pretty scary. Um, gotcha. It's not rated, but that's you know it was. That's not surprising for an animated feature from overseas to have mm-hmm. not been rated. Um, I would say check it out yourself first to see, um, you know, because, I mean, every kid's different, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had watched this when I was, like, seven or eight, it wouldn't have scared me that much. I would have probably been okay with it because, um, you know, it's not it's not as terrifying as, you know, the end scene of uh, Black Hole that I watched oh, when I was a kid where when Disney made movies to scare the shit out of you. <laughs> Black Hole is definitely one of those. God, the internet movie is just terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying even as an adult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, you, you want to gauge it. Um, I wouldn't say real younger kids because the, the wolves are scary and the darkness bits. I uh, totally agree with Glenn. But, you know, younger adults, maybe 11 or 
12. You know, my boy is almost 14, so he was handling it. But I think if I showed it at 7, he might have got freaked out a bit by mm. some of the darker parts of it. So uh, you kind of got to gauge, like any of these animated films, you got to kind of gauge your kid uh, gotcha. a bit, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no like on, like, on-screen severe violence or anything, but there, it does get a little bit uh, uh, stabby. Yeah. It's <laughs> certain points. <laughs> there's, there's 100% fewer tentacles in this than there is in the Blue Girl. <laughs> Which yeah. I would not recommend for kids. No. <laughs> not I wouldn't recommend that for anyone, really. I, I, no. no, the animated or live-action version. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> It'll make the family hug each other at the end. <laughs> Wrap each other tight like a pair of tentacles. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Secret of Kells, put it on your list, folks. Uh, beautiful film, fantastic story, and just you can see why it got nominated for it. Uh, let's see, that was 2010, so I'm trying to think of what won uh, best picture that year for animated because they came up with that uh, category specifically so the animated films would not um, uh, compete against live action <laughs> thanks to a, a, a animated film I, I'm actually going to mention a little later so I think we'll uh, move on then to Tony's uh, pick Tony why don't you tell us what is your when someone says hey what's your favorite animated film what's the first film that comes to mind to you well, personally, whenever I get this question, my answer is always I have too many favorites personally. Mm-hmm. So this is, so I had to like really choose hard because, like I said, I have a lot of favorite anime movies. But the one I did want to really talk about because I feel like it's an underappreciated animated movie from a very well-known animation studio not a lot of people talk about. And that for me is Ratatouille. Oh, nice. Why don't you tell our listeners a bit about Ratatouille? Sure. So so Ratatouille is about this mouse named Remy. He has this passion of creating food because, you know, he just loves to make food. He loves the taste of food. You know, he loves to experiment. Of course, the problem is that he's a mouse, so he can't quite become a chef. So one day he meets pretty much this no pretty much this nobody named Linguini and Linguini well cooking is not exactly his thing so Remy and Linguini they team up with each other and become very good friends by having Remy on top of Linguini's head and having him cook the food and you know along the way that's when you know Linguini discovers about how you know not to get like all the credit, and the, there's more to the film as it goes along from there. So, uh, what is it that you uh, really enjoy about the film? Because yeah, this is kind of the Pixar film that people kind of forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very underappreciated one in my opinion because you hear a lot talk about like the Toy Story movies or the Incredibles, but there's not really a lot of conversation that goes along with Ratatouille for me, but. The reason this is one of my favorite anime movies of all time is because, you know, one thing for sure, it's cliche to say for a Pixar movie, but of course the animation just looks absolutely breathtaking to just look at. 
when you just look at Paris and how it's detailed from the daytime to the nighttime, even when Remy's like in the sewers, it looks really, really great. And I loved how the movie had the message of, you know, how creating art is a personal thing, like what you create is your own art. But I also love how it even goes through the themes of criticisms, how taking criticisms can be a scary thing, but at the same time it's a good thing because criticisms can help you improve more as, you know, whatever you are, whether you're an artist or just whatever you're passionate about, you could find ways to improve through criticisms. And I just loved how how Remy and Linguini, you know, even though Remy's a mouse and how Linguini, you know, he's a human, they both have their friend, they both work well together. And I feel like they form a very nice friendship along the way. And I just think it's a very beautifully well put movie. It just has a great score to it. It's one of those movies I just see being very poetic and, you know, I just think it's one of those very satisfying animated movies where the more I watch it, the more I just absolutely love it. And, and you can see why. I mean, it was it did actually win Best Picture of that year, too. But yet, when people mention Pixar films, no one thinks of Ratatouille. Uh, Paul, have you seen Ratatouille? I have. Uh, it came at a really good time in my life because I was, I was kind of st- uh, exploring that whole foodie movement. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I developed a passion for, for cooking and food. And so it was really a nice, like I said, a nice time for me. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was a good movie to come out around that time. So, Yeah, it, I thought it was uh, quite a bit. It had some good timing and some great talent in this film as well. What about you, Glenn? you remember seeing Ratatouille? I have seen Ratatouille uh, twice. Uh-huh. Oh, so nice. I saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. And then I... Uh, when it came out on DVD, a friend of mine got it, and we watched it again. So, I mean, I like it. It's a cute little movie. Um, and, yeah, it, it definitely is one that is not – people don't seem to remember it as much, um, which is a shame because it really is uh, a very good movie. It has a good story, too. Mm-hmm. So – and it's 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 something that um, Pixar does well in their movies is they have – one, it's an entertaining for adults as well as children, mm-hmm. but they tend to have a good message in their movies as well. And, and Tony talked about you know some of that. The whole you know it's it's uh, cooperation and, and you know and, and teamwork and you know not taking the credit for for things that someone helped you with. You're not the only one who did it. You didn't do this alone. Mm-hmm. You had help. So, but yeah, it's it's a good little movie. I like it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. That was one of those two where they did the little te- standard Pixar teaser uh, movie, and you're like, "What's this about?" You know, they got the two rats talking, um, and then I watched it, and it surprised me quite a bit. It also, you know, it didn't fall on a few of those tropes you would expect it to either. When you're talking about, you know, the whole partnership story and everything, uh, which you know, Pixar, I think they they try not to hit all those tropes that we're used to seeing, the kind of cheesy, you know, over-saccharine-type things that for a while really became uh, are associated with Disney, a.k.a. Disney Channel, 
uh, watch that, and you'll go diabetic just by watching an hour of it. Um, <laughs> sorry, diabetes, diabetes accessories. Diabetes. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Ratatouille's great. Uh, great voice actors in here. You got uh, Patton Oswalt who plays Remy, uh, does the voice for him. You got Ian Holm in here. Brian Dennehy does a voice in here. Peter O'Toole. And who'd imagine Brian Dennehy in a movie about food? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he's a he's a big big guy like me. I love it. <laughs> uh, but there's some great voice acting in here too. Uh, is there any particular uh, scene in uh, specifically Tony that really comes to mind when you're uh, thinking of Ratatouille? Oh man, there's like so many favorite moments I have, but actually one of my favorite scenes was one of my favorite scenes from the movie is actually when that movie critic actually takes his first bite, like, you know, that one that's being, like, really harsh on Linguini. Oh, the, like, the, the, the food critic who's the villain? Yeah. yeah, the food critic who's the villain. Yeah, like, when he takes his first bite and he flashes back to his childhood um, to when he was eating the dinner that his mother made and it flashes back at him as an adult and he drops his fork. I was like, that was that was like a really nice touch right there because you know he could, you could tell he was just so bitter, and then just when you see his expression after he takes his first bite, it's like he's a completely different person. Well, and and that captures you know that captures the feel. I mean, every everybody loves food. Let's let's put it this way: we all love food, we all love different foods, but there are specific foods where if you taste them. Uh, there's, it's more than just the taste. It kind of takes you back to when you have first had it, or you know, if it's really that good. Uh, you know, my my late grandmother made this fantastic uh, cream cheese tort. Oh my God! Just don't look at the ingredients and what she put in it, because your arteries would run away screaming. But it was so good. Uh, just hear, just hearing the name of it makes me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was her thing for birthdays. She would make it, and uh, after she passed away, she did have I think the uh, 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 she did pass on the uh, uh, the recipe or a similar recipe. And it you know I tasted it once, and it it reminded me of her. It wasn't quite as good as hers because you know. Uh, certain cooks they just have that extra special energy or whatever they put into food. Oh yeah, uh, but Love. yeah, I, I thought that captured the spirit of uh, food because we we who doesn't love food, right? <laughs> That's why every time I watch this movie, I always need to have some food next to me because I know I'm just gonna get hungry watching it. <laughs> Even French food, you know. I mean, we're we're not gonna be picky. There's some good French food out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, one, one or two thousand dishes. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> oh, this Mark Krachek, he offended us. How dare he offend us by criticizing No, no, I, I, I am just thinking of, I, I shouldn't say that. I just had a bad experience with food as well. Uh, my, If you allow me, uh, it does relate to Ratatouille. It reminded me of that. We went into a fancy restaurant mm -hmm. uh, right. one night downtown. I mean, this is where the, if you're in Milwaukee or Wisconsin at all, we were eating two tables away from the penance, the, the guys who own like everything back then in Milwaukee. Uh, but they had French onion soup. And I was expecting regular French onion soup. 
and they came with the cheese all crusted over it and everything, and it wasn't really that good at all. Uh, and that was kind of a bad experience and turned me off to French onion soup for quite some time. Uh, and, and it wasn't just the price either. It was just, it wasn't very good. So that's why I joke about French foods. No, there's lots of French foods that I do enjoy uh, and even a few French words that I know. Uh, and, and that's the thing too. Ratatouille, I think, <laughs> does what some of these other, especially the, the newer Disney films did, especially Pixar ones. It, it just wasn't about the main character uh, even though they were, you know, front and center, but you could almost say with it too that they were also trying to feature the culture of France in this, couldn't you, Glenn? Uh, along with the story oh, sure. of the rest. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, um, and a big part of it is, is food is a very important part of the French culture. It really, really mm-hmm. is. Oh yeah, Which and I think is- they capture that a lot because it's. There's a lot that goes into their cuisine, and it's to be a, a chef is you know it's that's a big thing over there to be a, you know to actually be regarded as a chef, not just a cook, an actual chef. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyone can cook, but not anyone can be a chef. Yeah, well, uh, and had a rat under your hat. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, so the film is secretly about how the rodents will actually take over the world by controlling people and their food. Ah, so that's what, uh, sci-fi. Sci-fi. We take a sci-fi. <laughs> Willard. It's Willard 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, Ratatouille yeah, is a film that doesn't come up nearly as much as I think it should in Pixar conversations because, uh, you know, it, it gets overshadowed by those other films. Uh, you know, it's just like some of those other animated films that came out when Pixar was making it big, and uh, they kind of got overshadowed. Like, you know, uh, Treasure Planet and Atlantis mm-hmm. uh, are actually two films I really enjoy, uh, but you you hardly ever hear anyone talk about it. In fact, you know, when the princess from Atlantis comes up in the collection of princesses when they show Disney, you get those people going. Which one is that one? <laughs> you know, who, who's the one with the blue eyes? What the heck? <laughs> like I like I remember when I showed my my thirteen year old cousin last year because when he was visiting during the summertime, <clears throat> I was all like, "Hey, look, cousin, have you ever seen Treasure a Treasure Planet?" And he's all like, "What's Treasure Planet?" Yeah, you, you know, and it in Treasure Planet's a decent story. I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, Ratatouille is kind of in that conversation of, of films that people forget. And it was pretty long, too. It was an hour and 51 minutes, uh, Ratatouille, is for an animated feature. That's that's rather long. <laughs> so, uh, But it's a great story and a, a really good pick, Tony. I'm glad you picked that one. Uh, uh, I was wondering which one you were going to go with. I know y- you do have many. I like all of us. Uh, but I, I was glad you brought that one because I think it needs to be talked about more. Uh, and then we're going to move to Mr. Paul. Paul, uh, what film out of the plethora of ones that you watch, uh, favorite animated film, what's one of the ones that first comes to mind? Uh, well, the the ones that I've, I really, really love, love my favorites, we've already talked about in other shows. Mm-hmm. So I brought one that is kind of a recent favorite um, I watched it a few years ago after watching this live-action film with a similar theme. It was called uh, Upside Down. 
I don't know if you've oh, seen yep. the film. Yeah, I have not seen it. I heard about it. Okay. I, it was on my list. Uh, I watched, uh, was it uh, Next Earth instead or whatever, the other Earth? Or... Gotcha. Well, after watching Upside Down, uh, I this was recommended to me, uh, either through the, the system or whatever. But uh, the film is called uh, Padma Inverted. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's basically an anime film, uh, and it's about uh, a young woman named Padma, uh, who comes from a, a world of inverts, basically. Uh, imagine a world where gravity kind of goes caca, and the world is torn apart, and essentially people from our world get thrown into the air, you know? And uh, so people that are inverts basically walk on the ceiling uh, because their gravity is reverse of ours, uh, and we come from a world called, uh, well, <laughs> we, uh, Aga, or Aiga, uh, and basically the people that are left on the world, um, they create a society. It's kind of like a brave new world society. And they formed this kind of religion around, uh, not looking up. You know, you, you kind of look down. In fact, when you're uh, traveling outside, they got conveyor belts taking you because you can't, you can't really look around because they don't want you to look around. They don't want you looking into the sky. Um, and so this film talks about this society of humanity because they think they're the only ones left and that they have to preserve society. And then we have this young explorer who somehow finds herself on um, Aga or Aiga, and she meets up with a boy named Eiji uh, who kind of helps her out. Uh, and the story really does focus on balance because you have the gravity, and, and if you watch some of the scenes, you'll see how the physics are so important with the film. They, they took into account everybody's weight and how much you know a person can fly holding another invert. Um, and there's also uh, different scenes in the movie that kind of switch uh, and flip uh, perspectives of different characters because that's an important theme in this movie is looking at things differently, looking at it inverted. Uh, basically, take your thoughts, turn it upside down, and look at it in that way. Yeah, I, I had not actually heard about this film until you mentioned that you were you were going to bring it to the show, and so I watched it, and mm -hmm. it, it was impressive uh, quite a bit. <laughs> not, not only, I mean, animation, first off and foremost, like a lot of anime movies is just really good. Uh, you know, uh, I, I always love that style and, and you know, how big you can eyes. tell, you know, and well, yeah, there's the big eyes and everything, but there's, de you know, there's the detail in there. And mm -hmm. unfortunately I had to watch the one that was dubbed uh, ah. version. Uh, so I didn't get the, you know, the, the true performances like I try to watch with them, but mm -hmm. yeah, I was impressed by this film and, and the, the, the themes running through it uh, quite a bit. Not only, uh, you know the whole thing where they're referred to as introvert, but you know, I mean, it covers it covers class warfare because uh, uh, the Aiga residents are dressed more, you know, formal, and they have a more formal society, whereas the uh, in, the uh, the inverts who live underground are a little more rustic. Yeah, very <laughs> steampunkish. <laughs> very very steampunkish. Uh, but they both are societies that live by rules uh, and, and try to hold to them. You know, and the whole religious thing was, was really creepy. The religious <laughs> angle that they took with it. This one guy who was obsessed with keeping control of the society. And 
Yeah, I, I sinners some, fall into the sky. Yeah, they talk about the religion and, and how the sinners got sucked into the sky, and I'm like, well, I was telling my wife that, and she's like, well, that's a little bit opposite, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Usually, sinners are getting sucked into the ground, but no, no, now they're being they're tossed into the sky. Okay. <laughs> uh, so some. This sounds yeah. really cool. I I will need to check this thing out. It is. It, it's interesting how they uh, play with the angles at all. Tony, did you have you heard of this film at all? Uh, I have. I have not heard of it until one minute ago when Paul mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely do want to check it out after what I'm hearing right now. There, there's even some. There's even some 1984 influences in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that that was evident, wasn't it, Paul? Definitely. The the just everybody's uniform. Everybody's looking straight. You know. Just, <laughs> And then they have these classrooms, and they they dock you points if you fall out of line. You know, you can't have you can't have basically uh, deviant thoughts because that leads to you know deviant behavior. Which again, you're going to sin. You'll get sucked into the sky because we're all punished. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that that just always threw me. But I loved how they played with the physics on that, and mm-hmm. and you you know that's the one thing is your brain tries to wrap around just the same as the characters are trying to wrap their brains around how things are supposed to actually work in this world <laughs> uh, because these two never met each other, you know, mm-hmm. uh, before then. So it's yeah, I love the story was interesting, ending was. In all honesty, a little typical anime ending. Uh, (laughs) A little obscure, but... uh, Preachy, too. A little preachy, a little little obscure. You don't don't get that definite going, what exactly was I supposed to get out of the film? I think I got the main theme. You know, it's not that vague, but, but some anime, let's face it, some anime ends like that, where you're just like, the film will end, and you're like, um. <laughs> yes, I I loved that film, but um, <laughs> that that's how I felt when I saw Ponyo a few years ago. I, when I was watching Ponyo, I'm like, I'm really uh, enjoying this film, and then it just ends out of nowhere, and I'm going, hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, right. You gotta you gotta watch the uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion movies. Yes, yes. Oh, for, for an absolute dose of. What the what? what? <laughs> Congratulations! That's what? I, what just happened? I'm confused. What? Oh, my my wife and I were like that. Uh, my son, uh, his cousin is heavy in anime, and so she was kept talking about Attack on Titan, Yay. and so my son watched it. I haven't watched it yet, uh-huh. but my wife. Popped in every so often and would see what he's watching. She's like, "Why is that Titan naked and why has he got no arms and what's going on?" And, and my son couldn't really explain it. And the series, the series is still going. And apparently, uh, my kids love doing research into this. They weren't expecting it to be as popular as it was, so things are so obscure because they didn't really have a plan of it going. <laughs> going longer, so you don't really have anything explained at all. It's just This weekend, I saw about 20 minutes of the live-action version of that. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Amazing. It looks so much like the anime. 
<laughs> See, and I heard some people who were, you know, big, huge Attack on Titan fans, and they're like, oh, man, the live action, you know, it sucks or whatnot. And I was, saw a few of the scenes, and I'm like, that looks pretty creepy to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, getting back to... Uh, uh, Padma back to, thank you, Patma inverted. It reminded me. It did remind me a bit of. Uh, seemed like something Miyazaki almost would have. Oh yeah, done. You know, it, it was really. You could see influences. I think in there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, for those of you who don't know, uh, shame on you. If you're listening to animated show and you don't know who. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Miyazaki is. Unless yes. you're unless you're brand new and you're you're here to learn. Yes. Okay. Unless you're you're trying to discover. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, I I don't mean to be uh, tough on people, but yes, you're right. If you're here to learn, seek those out because uh, <laughs> those are films that yeah, everyone I know who's ever seen any of his of those films, they love pretty much every single one of them. And I think we're all fans here of Miyazaki. Tony, you you a fan of his work? Oh yeah, man. Mm-hmm. And and Paul, I I, I think you are. <laughs> yeah, A Spirited Away was actually the, my second favorite film of all time, uh, oh, uh, cartoon wise. Cartoon wise. Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's the that's the movie that got me introduced to him. Like that was the first movie I saw, and I liked it so much that I was like, I'm gonna keep a lookout for this Hayao Miyazaki guy. <laughs> it's so just a flash in the pan. <laughs> yeah. Introvert is def. I mean, uh, inverted is definitely. Uh, uh, in that style. Glenn, what about you? A uh, Miyazaki film, one of your favorite of his? Oh, God. So many? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, you could just uh, say yes. Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to pick one. That was, I think... But I, I think, don't, so yes. Just yes. <laughs> just just all of them. Uh, <laughs> they each are unique in their own way. Uh you know, I, I, yeah, Spirit Away for myself, too. I think that was one of his first ones I saw. And then, uh, isn't uh, Mr. Howl's Walking Castle one of his? The Magic Castle, I think. Ma- yeah. Howl's, 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 Howl's Moving Castle. Thank you. Moving Castle. Thank, Thank you. you. Howl's yeah. Movie Castle. I'm horrible with the, those titles because they, they slightly get rebranded depending on where you look. Translation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Love that one uh, quite a bit. That one's a really interesting film. You're just like, wow. And Princess you know, Mononoke. Oh, yeah. Our Neighbor Totoro. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that's uh, another really good one. Uh, yeah. All of those films, uh, Power of Animation, those things. If you like those films, I think you'd like uh, Padma uh, Inverted. Right? That's way it, <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> yeah, Padma. Yeah, Padma in, Inverted. Thank you. Um <laughs> It's such an odd. It's an odd title too. Yeah. So. Did you have a favorite scene, Mark? Hmm? Did you have a favorite scene? A favorite scene for me? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Out of it, while I was watching it, I kind of, I, I kind of dug the uh, whole thing where they were, uh, where they were flying up, yes. and they thought they were going to go into space and, yes. and they didn't. And, and I love that the mystery unfolds because they find his dad's uh, contraption and all of that. So, yeah. And you get that story with a little bit of a um, uh, I, 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 I'm going to say you get a little bit of a uh, feeling of that a bromance there between two, <laughs> two characters that's a bit implied. Um, 
not that it's a bad thing by any means, but it just it, it surprised me. I'm watching going, oh, they were they were close. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't so that wasn't just me, Paul. No, no, I, I, okay. that that was definitely there. I mean, that was. But what would you do? I mean, you kind of meet this guy from from a, a strange world, and every every notion of what you thought of is now different. You know, I I don't know unless unless he's like an alien trying to like shove his teeth through my chest. I'm okay with that. I'll be friends with that guy. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally agree. You'd be just completely fascinated by by the difference, I think. So, and that's addressed in here too, the difference between people and uh how that can uh really a- attract people to one another. So, uh, yeah, I when you mentioned that, I watched it and I was like, "Oh, I can see why he he picked this one." So, uh definitely one as well to put on the list as well as these other uh choices uh, that everybody has. And uh, for my pick, uh, I feel I feel bad. You guys all picked great, a little bit more obscure, uh, unknown, and I've I've got to go with it. Even though it's a mixture of live action, I have to go with it. Mentioned it on the show before, but I just have to again. Roger Rabbit. Um, who framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, out of all the films, uh, if you want to go completely animated, then I'll say, and I, I know it's a bad fallback too, but Beauty and the Beast. Uh, if you want to go completely animated, one of my favorites. I'm just like Tony and everyone else here. It's hard when people say, "Pick your favorite." In fact, last night on the Astro Radio Z 50th anniversary uh, 50th <laughs> episode, which if you haven't checked out Astro Radio Z, you should. Uh, Astro Radio Z on uh, Tumblr and Facebook. Uh, anyway, we Glenn and I were on the recording of their 50th episode, and <laughs> Derek asked me what my favorite film was, and I kind of ran a little long because I was like, well, it depends on what category you're talking about. <laughs> and just like with animated film, it's hard to choose. But out of all of them, I would say Roger Rabbit, if nothing else, because I saw it the most when it was in theaters. I kid you not, a dozen times. I saw it a dozen times when I was in theaters because when the film came out, it blew a lot of people away. And so I went by myself. I went with some friends. I went with my family. I went with my other family members. We went back to it again. Uh, and Roger Rabbit is just an amazing film. And uh, it's basically about – it's a world in where toons and humans live together. And there's an area called Toontown in uh, Hollywood and that's where all the Toon characters live, and they star in animated films. So people shoot animated films kind of like they're live-action films. And what what I love the spin on this film is the fact that it's it's done noir style. It, it's the gumshoe P.I., so you have Bob Hoskins in here playing a, a gumshoe who's had a history with Toons, and he's forced kind of uh, financially due to his burdens, taking a case that involves the murder of a tune. Uh, and one of the prime suspects is the star of some popular cartoons called Roger Rabbit. And it is based off of uh, a book. I forgot. Ah, crap. I forgot the name of the book. Uh, oh, uh, I'm actually on Wikipedia right now. It says who censored Roger Rabbit. Yes, that's what it was. Who censored Roger Rabbit. And so he ends up working with Roger to find out who the real uh, killer of these tunes are. And this film, you have to realize when this came out, folks, I think everybody's a little spoiled. And I know this is a get-off-my-lawn moment, but it's a simple fact of 
uh, I think we take for granted sometimes the special effects that we see in a film. And we're talking Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out in 1988, and to this day, it still, I think, has some of the best melding of hand-drawn animation and live action I've seen in a film ever. Would you say, Paul? Yes, uh, that definitely it, agree with you. Yes, I mean, hands down. <laughs> really? Uh, Glenn, what about you? Would you say this film still holds up today? It holds up uh, incredibly well. It really, yeah. really does. It's it's insane for what they did and the work that the live-action people, the actors, did in this film to interact with it. I mean, Bob Hoskins, they show some behind-the-scenes stuff where you know he's doing motions with his hand enough to making the handcuffs look like they're moving because the handcuffs are real, but they hand-drawed Roger Rabbit who's locked in these handcuffs with him. So he's going to move his wrist just ever slightly or whatnot and act like he's talking to nothing. And again, this is before CGI, so they didn't, you know, I mean, uh, it's just amazing some of the stuff they did and some of the animatronics robots they built where they hand-drawn animation over it. Uh, and it's just, just technically it's amazing. But then the story and the characters you get in this, has such a feel because it, it it's set in the 50s, that 50s style uh, as well. So it's not, you know, it's also a period piece. And I, as you can tell, I just, I love this film <laughs> so much. And the fact that the cartoon characters are different from their online personas is hilarious. Uh, Tony, how, how about you and Roger Rabbit? Um, in terms of how was an animation a live action or just like overall? Just overall in general. How how about you? How do you feel about Roger Rabbit? Oh, I think the movie's awesome to be honest. And I and I do think it's because of like what you said with the story and how they're able to play out between the live action characters and the hand drawn animated characters. Like the way you just see them interact with each other and just how the hand drawn animation blends with the live action it's very well done. And then, you know, like you said, Bob Hoskins, you know, may he rest in peace. He was great in this movie, too. And it's and Robert Zemeckis, I thought he did a great job directing this film. And I agree with what all of you said, basically. Even for it being a 1988 film, you know, for what this film achieved, it still holds up, holds up very, very well to this day. And it also inspired a whole generation of cosplayers of Jessica Rabbit, which I'm not sure many people will be complaining about. Uh, the most, probably one of the most voluptuous characters ever drawn, uh, but voiced fantastically uh, by uh, ah, who was Kathleen it? Turner. Kathleen Turner. Oh my lord! Yeah. Uh, that it, voice, husky. The the voice was perfect, but not only that, the voice acting they did in this, it was like they took a little extra special care because uh, you forgot these animated characters were not there. That's how good I think this film is directed and edited. And I, I may be off, but you watch this, you, you forget these are hand-drawn characters. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong on that, Glenn? Uh, do you for, get so engrossed that you forget that? Oh, wait a minute, that person—that's not actually there. Uh, oh yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's just melded so seamlessly. It really, really is. 
Yeah, so take a note, CGI artists out out there. Some guys with hand drawn uh, did better. And folks, you're, everybody's throwing a, uh, up in arms about you know uh, uh, combined universe and all of this. Roger Rabbit did it first. Roger Rabbit was the first film I do believe in history that had both Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse on the screen at the same time. Which logistically, if you think about licensing. Had to be a nightmare, <laughs> considering how Disney holds on to his products. Can you imagine that, Paul? That had to be just a nightmare. Not only that, but all the licensed characters. Hmm? They were all very, they, they were very, very respectful of all the characters that were in there because, and it made you believe that the world actually does have living cartoons, you know, that toon, that little Toontown exists in rea- reality. Because they were respectful of that, I think a lot of the the these production companies were like, yeah, I, I think that would be nice. And it would it would make fans believe in cartoons more. So I think they they had to do it. They just had to. Well yeah, and I think they had to get the different varieties because to to sell that world, you couldn't just do Warner Brothers cartoons. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I mean, you could, but I don't think people would buy into it. But here, especially near the end scene, it is a spoiler room, folks. And this film's from 1988. You should see it. Uh, but in the end scene, y- you freeze a frame, and you got to try to pick how many different types of cartoon characters are in that end scene uh, when everything gets resolved. I mean, there's there's Hanna Barbera characters. There's you know, Tom and Jerry, there's all of these. And, folks, you have to realize back then that was a huge deal. You, you didn't get amalgamations like that. So the fact that they had this film that they did this with it was amazing, and it's still amazing today. And, actually, I don't think they could do a film like this today. Do you, Tony? Uh, because of trying to get all the licensing for all those characters. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's hard to get, kind of get uh, the rights to certain characters now these days. But I do believe there could be another one of those live action to animated movies. You know, if they have the rights to certain characters, because we've had had a lot more of these before. Roger Rabbit came out, so if we had the before, we could definitely have more of these coming out in the after time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. I do totally acknowledge that we've had live action blended before, but the, oh, yeah. sc- the, the scale and the scope that they did this, and again, we're talking 1988. It's crazy the amount of work that they put in for it, and they did win Academy Awards for special effects, as they should. Um, in here, and you had uh, Charles Fleischman doing a fantastic voice, uh, not only for some other characters in here, but Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had him on set, actually dressed in Roger Rabbit costume, apparently <laughs> doing some of his lines to help with, uh, you know, the delivery of it. To help him get into character. Yeah, to help people help everyone get else. help yeah. everyone else. And he had Christopher uh-huh. Lloyd in here. I mean. He's an animated character anyway, but truly this time. And okay, you guys, I want to get your opinion. The the final villain, freaky as hell to this day. <laughs> I'm sorry, those eyes, man. Paul, those eyes. What, yes, I. It's a good end to a, it. Was like a buddy buddy cop movie, 
but you know, with a cartoon spin to it. I mean, it was it was a really good story. We talk about how technically good this film is, but it also had a really good story that was enjoyable to watch. There was a good, decent amount of mystery. I didn't expect the ending until it came. Yeah, <laughs> it was like whoa, and those eyes. You're right; those eyes are just creepy. Just freaking creepy. Uh, how about you, uh, Glenn? Do you, how, what about the story and overall the, the writing of this? We've talked the technical aspect, but uh, how do you feel of the story as a movie in general? It's great. I mean, this is this is this is a true classic, I think, of mm-hmm. cinema, and not just because of what it did with the blending of of live action and cartoon. It's just a great story. You've got great performances. Um, Bob Hoskins, I just think he's so on on par in this. Um, but it's one of my favorite movie scenes ever is when he uh, actually starts to do the whole rhyming thing. Oh, yeah. he singing. <laughs> yes. When he starts to do the merry-go-round broken-down uh, rhyme yeah. at the end. Yeah. Oh, it's just hilarious him doing the slapstick stuff like that, you know. And, and there it worked. In Super Mario Brothers, not so much. But in here it worked. It so. <laughs> uh, Tony, any final thought uh, with Roger Rabbit? Uh, you know, how'd you like the story of it and, and the overall film, at not just technical aspect? Uh, just uh, overall, even as a film, I thought it was very intriguing. Like what Paul said, I like. I, I actually thought it was unpredictable too, because normally when you have these mystery movies, at least for the most part, you can really get an idea where it's gonna lead up to. But I think Roger Rabbit did a very good job in presenting its story of making it very fun, but adding some unpredictability to it. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I have the freaky villain uh, pi- pictures up right now. And oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just. Those eyes, man. Oh, my God. I'm actually going to take off right now because it's freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> so Roger Rabbit is a classic, and, you know, for me, it, it's it's just one of those special films. I mean, 88, uh, there was a lot of things going on for me personally, and, and for that film, yes. And, and I'm not kidding, folks. I saw it. Uh, a dozen times in the theater, uh, and uh, that's how much I love it, and I still love it to this day. I, I watch it, and I love the world they built, and just the story and everything about it. it it's it's one of those films that, uh, yeah, you sit back and enjoy, and, and your brain, you just get sucked into this world. And uh, unfortunately, nowadays, the credits move by real quick, but when I saw it in the theater... Trust me, those credits at the end moved at about, it was like eight or ten minutes <laughs> of, of credits because they had to give credit to all the characters that they put in frame. And I remember sitting there the first time and you're like checking your watch going, yep, uh, still rolling. <laughs> Lord so, of the Rings credits. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it was kind of like Lord of the Rings. And, and uh, just a quick note, and I guess I think another reason why I love Roger Rabbit, I remember this. Uh, I watched Roger Rabbit, and then, and I can say this now because of statute of limitations, uh, <laughs> my my grandfather and I, uh, God rest his soul, a great guy where I got some of my love of film from, but uh, we got out of Roger Rabbit, and just as we were walking by, I was like, oh, 
Die Hard's playing. So we went and saw Die Hard. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> After seeing Roger Rabbit because... Uh, <laughs> That's right. Die Hard and Roger Rabbit played in the same year, huh? Yeah, they were both 1988. Uh, Roger Rabbit came out in June. Uh, Die Hard, I believe, came out in July. And Roger Rabbit was still in theaters. Because we're talking before you had weekly blockbusters. So Roger <laughs> Rabbit stayed in the theaters. Oh, Glenn, do you remember? I mean, that thing was in their theaters for months before it even hit budget theaters, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was insane how long it was in there. But, yeah, I remember coming out of Roger Rabbit after seeing it for whatever time and going, oh, <laughs> die hard. And so we went and got a, ref- we got a refill on our popcorn and soda, and I went to see Die Hard with my grandfather. Oh, <laughs> so, sweet. <laughs> So that that's a you know I guess another fond memory with Roger Rabbit. So <laughs> and I'll stop and, and and I'll 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 stop gushing about the film now. But yeah, it's I think it's one and that's one even though it gets dark in places. I think nearly it maybe youngs youngins are going to get scared by the villain at the end. But other than that, uh, and, and a few of, there's a few mature themes in here, but. Definitely, young young adults on up can appreciate this film. I think it doesn't really take away from the fun vibe of the film. No, and that's what I really love is the balance of of there is a bit of darkness in there for for the adults, but not so much to where it it's what you end up focusing on. You just kind of, you know, like the whole angle of a plain patty cake. Oh, you know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. There's such a, such some great metaphors in here and that and some double entendres and stuff that they have in here, you know, uh, are great because they're ones that grown-ups and older kids, you know, will pick up on, and the younger kids won't, but they don't need to to enjoy this film. Uh, so yeah, I, I pick Roger Rabbit. I know it's a little more mainstream, but uh, <laughs> uh, that that's one of my favorite. I, oh, okay, thank you. I, I appreciate that. So we, accept, yeah, we 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 forgive you for talking about a classic Robert Zemeckis film. <laughs> I'm just thankful we didn't have to actually talk about La Blue Girl. <laughs> that'll be that'll be next time. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll go tentacle late animated edition. late yeah. night edition of the Spoiler Room where we talk about tentacle anime. Anyway, on that note, uh, let's go down the aisle quick with people uh, to pimp their stuff to let us know where they can find you when you're not gracing us with your presence here. Go ahead, Glenn. You can find me on Facebook. That's Facebook. Um, You can find me at the Beamwee Bunker. Also, uh, find me on YouTube, uh, Beamwee Bunker at Giant Bunker Productions. Or just follow me on Twitter, Guy in a Bunker. There you go. He is a guy in a bunker, and he watches a lot of great films and does some great reviews. Make sure you check out his channel and subscribe. Do not forget to do that, folks. That is that is so much uh, means so much to everybody, and uh, he's got some great reviews there. And uh, Mr. Paul, uh, go ahead, sir. Uh, you can find me at uh, WordPress, Facebook, and Twitter at Forsaken Film Reviews, and I'm also working on the uh, wor- working with the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival, and we are taking submissions for feature films and shorts right now. For more information about that, you can uh, check us out at www.newhorrorfest.com. 
Make sure you aspiring filmmakers out there, you got a film out there, horror film that you uh, would like or people to see, uh, check that out. It's going to be a great festival, and uh, Paul also does some great reviews. So if you don't like watching videos, go and read his reviews when you're done watching Glenn's reviews. Uh, and finally, last but not least, Tony, where can we find you at, sir? Well, you guys can, of course, find me at youtube.com slash 22tigerdude. You can like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash 22tigerdude, Twitter at tigerdude22, Instagram at 22tigerdude, and then moviepilot.com slash I believe tigerdude22. A lot of tiger power going on there. He also does some fantastic reviews. He does a lot of collab reviews. Make sure you check out Tony's material as well. We get great people on this show. I am very, uh, I feel very humble that uh, these fantastic, talented folks want to gab movies with me. And if you're interested at all in my stuff, uh, you can check out specialmarkproductions.com. As I always say, one-stop shop for all the stuff I work with. I partner with nerdslant.com now. I do my stuff for We Live Film. Every week I do a horror film. Uh, this week, if you want to check it out, prepare yourself as I review me and my mates versus the zombie apocalypse. And that is the <laughs> film that I'm reviewing. Uh, it, it's coming to a festival, a zombie festival in Madison in June, and uh, I got a chance to see it early and decided to do a review on it. So uh, you get a lot of stuff there as well as our spoiler room archive. Please go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a comment. Subscribe to our feed. It would mean a whole lot to us. Gets us noticed by more folks and shows up in more uh, search engines. And uh, specialmarkproductions.com is where you can find the archive of all our episodes. We got some great stuff coming up in uh, March here. Uh, we got one every week. We've been doing these weekly so far. Not sure how much I'll keep this up before I fry, but uh, <laughs> we're going to keep rolling with it because I'm having a lot of fun, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this, and we gave you some animated films to check on your list to go watch. We appreciate your support, and remember in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil of the movies. 